Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. I straight up A's. The parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Thurber called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feeling in the fix. Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of business. They've ever made a better thing, but they got the game. Welcome to the 76ers Report with your hosts, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky blomaine Oh, man. After quite a long hiatus of, uh, you know, vacationing through Ireland, Italy, uh, you know, all across Europe here, Mike, it's great to be back with another episode of the 76ers Report. You know, I was kind of itching to, you know, get my Sixers picked. Uh, during that whole trip, but uh, Jeff McMenamin here alongside 97.3 ESPN Sixers insider Michael Kasky blomain and you guys know the drill. As always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher as well as iTunes, and, uh, you know, you can download all of our shows there. You can also follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report, and feel free to follow myself at Sixers Blog and Mike at the Real Mike KD. Uh, but so, Mike, you know, I felt like I was not only cut off from social media overseas, but kind of the whole basketball world in general. Uh, it's funny how things work out sometimes, though. Uh, I actually ran into former Sixer Darrell Wright at the uh, Uffizi Art Gallery in Florence, and we talked about, you know, the old Doug Collins Sixers days. And uh, apparently Florence is just, you know, a place for closet Sixers fans because shortly after that, you know, I I saw a Sixers fan walking by wearing, you know, that Sixers snapback, uh, freshly fitted. Um, but, you know, I'm back, and, you know, thanks to Micah Adams today on Twitter, we've now reached the midway point of the NBA offseason. It's been 64 days since Game 7 of the NBA Finals, and there's 64 days until the opening tip for the 2016-17 season. Uh, you know, Mike, I thank you graciously for taking over the reins here for the last two shows, including officially our first Sixers player guest uh, in the last episode. Uh, check that out if you haven't listened to it with uh, new Sixers shooting guard Gerald Henderson. Uh, but how has, you know, your summer been, and how will you be spending the rest of it here in the next month or so? Jeff, well, first of all, let me say uh, welcome back, man. It's good to have you back on the show. I hope you obviously enjoyed your time overseas and, uh, you know, soaked in some good culture over there. But, um, yeah, personally, uh, you know, I've I've been just enjoying my summer, uh, you know, as much as I can, trying to, you know, head down to the beach, gone on a couple trips, nothing quite as extravagant as uh, Ireland and and all that. But, uh, you know, mainly just been trying to enjoy the time, uh, paid pretty close attention to the, uh, you know, the Olympic basketball tournament, obviously, since that was, you know, like you said, it's the only ball that's been 
really available to watch in the past 60 some days. So, uh, you know, I watched that pretty closely and otherwise just been, uh, you know, getting prepared and excited for, uh, you know, the upcoming Sixers season, which, you know, I think we, uh, both anticipate to be one of the more exciting seasons and, you know, at least recent memory. So, uh, you know, it's, it'll definitely be good to, uh, you know, uh, for the season to approach and it's good to have you back to, uh, talk some Sixers on here, man. Yeah. And you got a chance to, you know, really talk to Gerald Henderson in the last show. And uh, were you at the, the Peace Games this weekend as well? I actually was not. I had a a prior engagement um, on that Saturday outside of Philly, so I was not able to attend. Um, we talked to him, uh, Gerald, a couple of days before. It was, uh, you know, I was disappointed definitely that I, that I wasn't able to go. It certainly seemed like it would have been a great event, and I saw um, some recaps and some photos of it afterwards, and it seemed like there was a, uh, you know, a decent turnout for them to spread their message, which obviously was, you know, one of basically just peace, uh, you know, anti-violence, anti-gun, uh, you know, in the inner city message, which is something that, you know, hits home for obviously a lot of people and specifically for, um, you know, Wayne Ellington, who, who was the host of the event, uh, you know, Philadelphia native and the best friend of Gerald Henderson, who, you know, unfortunately lost his father to uh, gun violence in the city um, fairly two years ago. So, you know, I think it was a really good event for them to put together. They had done it in Chicago to uh, much success and to bring it back to Philly, which was obviously the hometown of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I think it was a really positive thing, a message for her to see, you know, so much of, you know, things that players do off the court negatively gets a lot of attention in media, whereas stuff like this doesn't necessarily the national uh, news and buzz that other stories does. So it's always nice to see, uh, you know, players doing something, uh, you know, positive and productive in their own community. So, uh, you know, you know, I was, I was definitely disappointed that I wasn't able to, to attend, but it certainly seemed like it was, uh, you know, it was a good event. You know, what do you really take from that Henderson interview? I mean, I got a chance to listen to it as well. Um, I, one thing I guess that I thought was interesting was kind of how he talked about, you know, he's still going to take his mid-range shots, uh, even though, you know, he has been kind of focusing on his three-point shooting since the NBA is kind of trending that way, as well as, you know, he talked about some of the young guys uh, that he hasn't really gotten a chance to play with outside of Jill for, but, you know, he was really impressed by uh, Ben Simmons and Jeremy Grant this summer when he got a chance to see those two guys play off in person. But, you know, what did you take from that interview with Gerald and just the type of, you know, talent and leader that he can be on the team? Yeah, I took a lot a lot of, of that interview, actually. Uh, you know, first and foremost, it seemed that he was genuinely excited and happy to be part of the Sixers as they stand right now. Um, you know, he obviously signed as a free agent. He you know, could have chosen to go elsewhere. Uh, you know, and the fact that it's his hometown in Philadelphia and, um, you know, coming home, I think that was something special to him. So, obviously, it's, it's nice to have a guy that's uh, embracing of, you know, the situations the Sixers find themselves in and a guy that's, uh, you know, he also mentioned about his role with the team and how he's, you know, the Brett and the front office kind of spoke to him about being, uh, you know, a kind of a mentor and a veteran. He's obviously, uh, you know, entering his uh, eighth year in the league and a lot of the Sixers are, you know, first, second year guys. So Gerald's, you know, been around the block uh, several years in Charlotte, Portland, now to Philly. Um, you know, and he's just been uh, – the whole time he's just been, a, you know, a professional guy. You don't 
you don't hear anything, you know, about him negatively ever off the court or he doesn't draw publicity. He just, you know, goes out and does his job and produces. And I think, uh, you know, that kind of just professionalism and personality and attitude on the young team with so much talent, I think will really, uh, you know, will help out a lot uh, this year specifically. And I think Brett in particular will really, really enjoy having a guy like Gerald and also, you know, the other veterans that they signed, uh, Jared Bayless and Sergio, but, uh, uh, Gerald specifically, I think Brett will really enjoy having that level of, uh, you know, veteran leadership and also uh, productivity out there. Because, you know, like you mentioned, uh, that was also uh, a big takeaway that I took from Carrie and I's conversation with Gerald last week that, like you said, he had been working on his three-point shot, which, you know, is certainly good to hear considering the style of play with the pace and space. But he wasn't ready to, you know, abandon that uh, abandon his bread and butter for the three-point shot he said that he's you know he's still going to be looking for that uh getting to the paint for that mid-range game to take it to the rim like he's always done so I just think that the combination of his game you know he's an improving defender he has great size on the perimeter he's you know like a prototypical size for shooting guard athleticism I think he's an underrated dunker I think we'll be able to see some uh some pretty nice oops from uh you know from Ben and Sergio going up to him this year so I think all around it's a you know it's a signing that didn't garner like tons of attention nationally or even in the city, but I just think overall he Gerald is gonna you know be a great addition to the team in, in the short term, both on and off the court. Yeah, and I I believe he said towards the end of that that you know he would love to come on the show again, so I'm gonna hold him to his word, you know, with yeah, uh, the rest of the season coming up. Um, yeah, actually, I, I think I told you just through text after the show that I actually got a chance to play against him in high school, uh, him and Wayne on the same team in a, a three-on-three tournament, and they just absolutely annihilated me. So it would be uh, kind of fun to have him <laughs> on and find some footage. Uh, joke we about we got to get some footage of that on Twitter on the 76 report. <laughs> some, some high school footage of Jeff McMenamin versus Wayne Ellington and Gerald Henderson. There, there might Find be some some higher <laughs> highlight reel alley oops in that game. Uh, I can't recall. It, it's one of those things where you just black it out of your mind and, and move forward. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it would be cool to have him on again, um, or really any other player. And I'm sure we'll try to do that throughout, uh, you know, the off season and, and the season coming up here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the big news out of uh, the basketball world is. You know, Team USA took home the gold in the Olympics for the third straight Olympics on Saturday, and uh, I guess Carmelo's calling it a career. Uh, but it was a treat to all Sixers fans to, you know, be able to see the play of Dario Saric in Croatia throughout those earlier rounds. Um, you know, they lost in the quarterfinals to Serbia, but, you know, what did you think of his play in the Olympics overall and, you know, how many minutes you – really expecting to play per game next season with the Sixers. I was impressed uh, with his play overall. I like, you know, he, he shot some threes, which I like to see both uh, cash and shoots and a couple pull-ups. He, uh, you know, his stroke looked half decent from there. And then on top of that, he just did, did a lot of things on the court. It, you know, it didn't, he didn't really necessarily do anything like that. I didn't expect. He just did what I expected him to do at a higher level, maybe than I, than I expected him to do. He, you know, he has a really good instinct for the game. He knows where to be for rebounds. He knows where his players are going to be for passes. He, uh, you know, he just, he's a, I feel very good about his IQ and his just like feel for the game coming over at this point, considering he's going to be, you know, basically considered a rookie, but he's been playing professional, 
you know, high level basketball for, you know, a few years now, I think that will kind of give him a little bit of an advantage over some of the guys that are, you know, a little bit younger and have just been, you know, maybe had one year of college ball. I think he'll be a little bit more prepared and, uh, you know, mature and ready to play at the NBA professional level. Um, you know, as far as minutes, I, I think a good estimate, I, I don't know where, if, if Brett said this or if where, but I, I have the number of like 20 to 25 uh, minutes a game for Dario this year in my head. I think that sounds like a, you know, pretty reasonable number. I don't, I don't expect him to start uh, this, you know, I, I think he'll be coming in, in a, a reserve role, um, you know, and playing a couple different positions. I think 20 to 25 minutes is enough to, you know, not have him out there for, you know, the extended times, but more than enough for him to, you know, get ample opportunity in a couple different positions and for him to be comfortable and see what he can do and to, uh, you know, play with some of these other guys that he's going to, you know, potentially be playing with for years going forward, obviously, and, uh, you know, Joel, uh, Ben, Ja, uh, whoever it may be. So I think, you know, I, th- I expect him to be coming off the bench in about 20, 20 or so minutes a game. But, uh, you know, I think he definitely got – Sixers fans more excited with his play in the Olympics. I think with just with like his passion, he's one of those guys that seems like he'll fit well in Philly because he seems to, you know, just play every play like very intensely and, you know, very hard. He takes it very seriously. And if he, you know, assuming he brings that same attitude to the Sixers, which, you know, I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't. I think he's the type of guy that can really ingratiate himself into the fan base pretty quickly and become a fan favorite, even if his you know, number production number wise doesn't necessarily match the support. I think, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I have pretty high expectations for him as far as, you know, in, in the short term coming over. Yeah. I mean, he had the, the huge block against Spain. I think everyone saw, um, I think in the following game that they won, he had, you know, a clutch rebound, uh, to kind of, you know, in, in the waning minutes, uh, you know, a huge possession, extra possession that, you know, Croatia ended up scoring on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just shown the ability to be a clutch player, even though he might not be putting in the clutch shots, you know, making those big plays that, you know, win you the games that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, anything you'll see in the stat sheet that sticks out. But, you know, they're the huge plays that you kind of need at this stage when you're moving forward with the rebuild and starting to win basketball games. Um and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just weird seeing, you know, websites like uh, The Ringer or ESPN kind of writing these long pieces about a, a Sixers player like they have been doing with Darius Saric on just his outstanding play throughout the Olympics. You know, we're used to these outlets kind of, uh, you know, hammering the Sixers and, uh, you know, it's it's been the narrative of, oh, it's Darius Sarge coming, coming over for so long. So now that they're writing these positive pieces, uh, you almost don't know how to react. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's great to finally see some, some tangible results there from Sarge. And I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I think I can see Dario kind of playing 20 minutes a game um, between the power forward and the small forward spots. Uh, I think he's going to have trouble defending both positions for different reasons. You know, uh, at the power four position, I don't know if he's big enough to to really match up against, uh, you know, kind of the stronger players at that position in the NBA right now. And, you know, small forward, I don't know if he has the speed to to really uh, defend that position all that well. But, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, his offensive talent 
his intangibles, his passing ability, that's what makes him, you know, so attractive. And I would say outside of uh, Nikola Djokic of Serbia, you know, wouldn't you say that Dario was probably the the second best international player not on Team USA? I mean, he was definitely really one of like st- definitely stood out to me in the tournament. I don't know. He would definitely be up there. I don't know if I would necessarily say second. I can't think of someone to dispute it off the top of my head. So you might be right, but he definitely stood out. Uh, I was trying to watch it, uh, you know, like unbiasedly uh, as not necessarily a Sixers fan to someone watching the game. And he, uh, you know, his play definitely was one that stood out as <clears throat> one. You mentioned that the block, um, block slash like fast break assist he had, and there's plays like that that, you know, it just seems like he knows how to make the winning play. And that's, that kind of jumped out, jumped off the screen at me. Um, it was nice to be able to actually watch him play, not through, you know, uh, TV, like uh, internet clips or, you know, things like that. It was nice to actually be able to sit and watch him, uh, you know, in a full Olympic style game like that. So I definitely, uh, you know, left the viewing experience with, you know, a good impression of him. And I, I feel like his maturity will help this year too. When we have, you know, a couple of guys, obviously Simmons coming in, that's just turned 20 MB 22, uh, you know, a bunch of young guys. I, I think Sarich has like, just like a level of maturity that he's gained from playing, uh, you know, professionally for the past few years that I think will, you know, help overall. Not that he's going to be a veteran presence by any means, but I think he, he comes in with a little bit more experience than some of those other guys. So I think, uh, think that'll bode well for his you know his season in general I think that'll help him get some minutes and you know uh some favor with coach Brown we're able to take a look at another uh you know player next season on Spain and Sergio Rodriguez uh you know what what do you think of his kind of overall play at point and do you think you know he has a shot to start at point guard with the Sixers next year He's fun, man. I definitely took that away from him. He, he's fun to watch. He never stops moving. He keeps the ball moving. He keeps himself moving. He has a motor on him, which, you know, I definitely uh, appreciated. I didn't quite remember it as much from his days in the NBA. Um, uh, he, you know, I liked how he did spread the ball around. He made some mistakes or, you know, some a few decisions with the ball that, I, you know, didn't necessarily agree with. His shot was, you know, it, it was all right, a little bit inconsistent. He didn't necessarily like impress me to the point like that you said that I think he's guaranteed to be the Sixer starter at this point. He played you know well enough. I think it'll be a competition probably between him and and uh, Jared Bayless at camp to you know between those two. But uh, you know if if he can shoot consistently, he had you know some shots that looked really nice for him, stroke right in. If he can do that consistently and you know limit his assist to turnover ratio, I think he. Uh, you know, at least in the short term, I think he could be a really suitable point guard for the, the group that they have now because I think he can play off ball, um, you know, a little bit, as, especially if that shot's dropping. He knows how to move. He knows how to come off screens, off back screens. Um, if Simmons is going to be, you know, initiating a lot of the offense from the top of the key or the high post, I think, you know, both point guards, actually, Jared Bayless can do that as well. But I think uh, Sergio Lee showed me in the Olympics that he can, you know, space the floor a little bit, play, you know, off the ball and move around a little bit at least, which uh, I thought was a good sign. Yeah, and his passing ability is is just amazing to watch. I mean, he was uh, kind of taking Ricky Rubio out of the conversation at times uh, in terms of playing time just due to his defense, which was something I wasn't expecting. You know, very – 
very much a hustle player. And, um, you know, I, I think he's definitely going to compete in camp. I don't know what Bayless, uh, how he's going to react to that competition um, coming in, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, uh, if anything, we have the European version of James Harden with that, that beard he has going on, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's something to watch just kind of, um, you know, what, what we saw there, he just has the natural passing instincts and yeah, he does have good form on the shot. He definitely needs to hit it more consistently, but, you know, I, I think he does have good form and that should at least prove to be somewhat consistent as the season goes on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some more news that kind of came out today on, on different news outlets, uh, just Jerry Colangelo's comments on um, international competition. And he really, you know, dug into international play in general. Um, you know, he he talked about, you know, how the other countries kind of have to raise the bar, how, you know, different people had told him, why don't you guys play with four players to make it an even playing field? And, uh, you know, he's saying how, you know, other countries really have to step to the plate here since the U.S. is dominating so much. I mean, is that a smart thing to say, especially considering, you know, it seems like the NBA has the most international players they've ever had. Um, he just came from a Sixers organization who, you know, has Joel Embiid from Cameroon, who has, you know, Dario Saric from Croatia. They have Sergio Rodriguez, uh, Timothy Luawu. You know, it, it just seems like he was digging and it was not a smart move. But what do you think of uh, Colangelo's comments? Yeah, I think it came off as just really unnecessary. I mean, even if that is the case and or that's what he thinks that, you know, fresh off of winning a gold medal, you know, it just to me it just came off as unnecessary. Like I, I don't see why he needed to say I don't think he maybe even necessarily meant it to be as much as a dig as it's been perceived at I, I, like when he said they need to you know, when, when you say someone needs to get their act together, that's you know, obviously a slight against them and that's how it came off. I don't know if, you know, that's exactly how he intended it. But especially considering that, you know, outside of the gold medal game, which, you know, we the United States won, you know, handily the entire time, we're coming off uh, an Olympic tournament that we, you know, was by no means dominant for them. They were, you know, they won every game. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, the, for the first few exhibitions, we they rolled and they looked good at times. But then there was a stretch there in the middle, uh, you know, for a few games there where we were getting, you know, pushed more than I think people were even comfortable with or are expecting, and then you're looking mm-hmm. at some teams that were missing players. Marcus Gasol wasn't playing. Uh, you know, there's there's obviously Ben Simmons wasn't playing for the Australian team. There's just there's players that you know weren't necessarily there that you know could have impacted the the uh, the outcome of this the tournament. And not that the United States would have lost. There's never a case where they should lose. They you know the NBA is the most talented league in the world. There's no denying that. But to say you know to take a dig at international ball at a time where it seems to be you know doing as thriving almost, especially if you count the number, like you alluded to, of how many international players have, you know, migrated in, into the NBA and are having an influence, especially it's ironic, like you said, a Sixers team that's super diverse at, at this point. Uh, you know, the Spurs had tons of success for years with a, a lineup that boasted players from like eight or nine different countries. But, you know, it, basketball diversity is just, 
you know, spreading. And I think the quality of play is, is high too for him to, you know, just come out at that point and say that rather than just giving credit where credit is due, which is to his own team. Um, you know, it just, like I said, it, to me, it just came off as unnecessary and almost, you know, kind of like being a sore, a sore winner, whether or not that's how he intended it to be, but that's, you know, kind of how I perceived it. Yeah, I kind of just joked on Twitter about, well, not only him dropping Kevin Durant's uh, medal stand, because that was hilarious, but, uh, you know, how Ben Simmons, yeah. the Australian, was checking his phone and, uh, you know, seeing those comments and giving him, you know, kind of a weird face. But, you know, outside of Dario Saric and Sergio Rodriguez, uh, you know, which Sixers player do you think will log their first minutes internationally? Do you think it's Simmons? Do you think it's Embiid? What What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think the the natural guess at this point would just be Simmons. Uh, like, hopefully Embiid holds up enough to be even considered playing extra basketball in the summer in 2020. I think Simmons, talent-wise, is obviously a lock. I mean, it remains to be seen what, you know, Ja or Nerlens develop into. But as it stands right now, they obviously don't necessarily seem like USA basketball, uh, you know, select team candidates. So I think Ben – uh, would you know probably be the easy the first one to point to, but obviously Joel has the you know the potential and the talent to do that if you know that's something that was he was able to you know do health wise coming down the year for now. But if it was a you know if it was a bet, my money would be on Ben Simmons. Once again, this is the 76ers report. I'm your host Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Cassie Blumen, and I agree with you. I mean, I think Simmons just is almost being groomed to play on that Australian team. And they have a good team in their own rights uh, with Della Vadova, uh soon Dante Exum once he's healthy. Uh, I don't know if Andrew Bogut's going to have anything left by 2020, but, I mean, that's a pretty good team right there. And they could definitely compete down the road. Um, but, I, I mean, we, I guess, haven't really talked about Ben Simmons' summer league play, you know, since I was away. Uh, obviously, very, very impressed. Um, I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations going into summer league and coming out of it. Uh, so, you know, what do you think of just his, his overall dominance um, during that summer league? Yeah, I mean, he it was great to watch. There's, you know, there's really no other compliments to say that, you know, haven't already been said. He to me, it was just one of those things where in a summer league game, he had me not wanting to miss action, which I think is really the highest compliment you could say. Like I was watching the games and I would, you know, go to a commercial break and I would get up to grab like a water or something and I would hear it come back on and I'd be like, oh, and like, you know, try to get back. Because you never know if he'd miss a play, you know, miss a crazy pass that he made. It seemed like every other possession that he was on the floor. He was either, you know, uh, leading a fast break or, you know, finding someone in half court for like a crazy, uh, you know, look off bounce pass or something. So, I mean, there was obviously his his shot was is still the, you know, the biggest question mark between him. I mean, I, I think at this point, based off what, what he displayed already at Summer League, people that doubted him being, you know, productive in the league or, you know, don't have a leg to stand on, uh, you know, so to speak at this point, I think the development of his shot will really just be the difference between between him being an all-star and a superstar. I think he, you know, he can, what I, what I took away from, from watching him is just how he impacts the game in a dominating fashion in like so many facets. He's a, 
you know, awesome rebounder. He can lead, you know, literally get a rebound, turn, lead a fast break by himself and deliver like, you know, beautiful dime in stride to someone for a finish. And he can do the same thing in a half court. Uh, you know, he can D up, obviously that's something he'll need to work on more so going, but he has the size and the length, uh, you know, to, to guard a couple multiple positions and definitely the foot speed to do so. So, I mean, you know, he just, he showed off superstar potential really. And, you know, you can only take away so much from summer league given the, you know, the competition and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, Philly has a legit reason to be excited. And I think the summer league performance was really just, you know, people were obviously excited on draft night and everything leading up to it. And that was kind of just confirmation of what's to come. So, uh, you know, I think, I think everyone is pretty much rightfully excited about what we're going to see from him, you know, hopefully for the next decade plus. Yeah. I mean, I, I had just talked about Rodriguez and Bayless um, kind of competing for that point guard spot, but honestly, you know, from what I saw of him in that summer league, he's kind of built to be a point guard. I mean, obviously his rebounding ability is unquestionably one of his top skills, but I mean, his passing ability was just dazzling. You know, you you couldn't uh, go like two or three minutes without him, you know, tossing a no-look dime, behind-the-back dime, you know, just uh, driving into the paint and drawing like six, you know, like four defenders and uh, finding, you know, a runner to the basket. It was just play after play of just this this dominant play from him. in terms of passing and driving uh, that, you know, it makes you really excited. I don't know how any point guard in the league could guard him if he's posting you up, you know, 10 feet away from the basket. Um, and I, I think that with all the talent we have in the front court, you know, having him play the point guard spot would free up a lot of those, those question marks in terms of, you know, the playing time and, um, you know, who you're going to give minutes to, you know, it goes all the way down to, to Covington and, and Jeremy Grant, you know, two other guys that you're going to have to figure out how to get minutes to next season. Um, but I, I don't know, like with all we've invested this off season in terms of bringing in Bayless and bringing in Rodriguez to, to kind of play the point, do you think that, that Brett Brown would make that decision so quickly and, um, you know, have Simmons start at the point to start the season? No, no, I don't. I don't think, excuse me, I don't think that he'll actually be like the starting point guard at the start of the season. I think they'll start with the traditional point guard at the one spot and put Simmons at one of the forward spots. But I do think that that's the plan down the road. You know, Brett's kind of alluded to it already, so has Ben Simmons, and it was only confirmed during summer league that I think he really can run the point guard position straight up. But I, I think Brett said something along the lines of, you know, that, that he thinks the point guard spot's one of the toughest in the NBA to learn and to run, and that you know it would basically be I don't I don't know if he used the word unfair, but something along those lines to throw Ben into that spot right from the jump because he's never you know he technically has played forward for most of his career. So I think you know as far as positions actually go I think that they will start uh, you, you know a physical point guard whether it be Bayless or Rodriguez or someone else but I think 
you know, Ben's transition to the team's point guard of the future will probably be a gradual one. Like, you know, throughout this season, he'll, you know, probably take the reins of the offense for long stretches. Uh, a lot of the offense will be run through him. Maybe there'll be, you know, some stretches throughout games where he, they will try him as, you know, with no other point guards on the floor, maybe hit like a lineup, something like him, Stauskas, Covington, Nerlens, and Joel, something like that for, you know, brief stretches of time. And I, I think gradually it'll, it'll turn into that. But I, I do think to start the season, they'll, uh, you know, whether it be one of the guys on the roster now in, in Bayless or Sergio, or, or if a move ends up getting made that they add another point guard, I think that they'll, uh, you know, complement his playmaking ability with, with a traditional point guard, at least to start his career. So Simmons, you know, that, that long, uh, Year-long documentary, I guess, on him is coming out on Showtime, uh, I guess, in like a couple weeks now. Um, Are you excited to, you know, watch that and kind of, you know, see his everyday life, I guess, and how hard he's kind of worked to to get to this, this season here with the Sixers? Yeah, I'm not, I'm excited to see it. Naturally, just as a basketball fan, but now obviously, especially as a Sixers fan, um, you know, on the cusp of potentially having our first superstar since Iverson, you know, I think it's awesome that, you know, it's obviously a sign they wouldn't be following this kid around for two years if they didn't think he was going to be, you know, some somebody worth following around for two years. So I think just the fact that they even did it. Um, and decided to do it when he was back in high school, I think is really cool. And yeah, now at this point, it'll, it'll just be some awesome insight into, you know, the whole process from when he was, you know, you know, 18, 17, 19, whatever, to draft night and then now being here and, and embracing the city of Philadelphia. I think it'll just be a, you know, a cool behind the scenes look. And I'm always a sucker for those, uh, you know, NBA TV documentaries or basketball, you know, <laughs> basketball documentaries or, or whatever have you. So, uh, you know, I'll certainly be tuned in, and I think it'll be cool for, you know, the basketball fans in general, but especially Sixers fans now who are, you know, really embracing Ben Simmons as, you know, the future of the team to get, like, you know, just get an inside look at his life. It's always cool to see, you know, stuff from an, an athlete, uh, an athlete's perspective or point of view that you wouldn't necessarily see otherwise, and it looks like this will – uh you know, per, this documentary will give an opportunity to do that. So I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it whenever it drops. I know uh, you said it's sometime in, in September, whatever, uh, you know, whenever the drop date is, I'll be, I'll be tuned in. And it hasn't been as active, I guess, but, um, you know, the trade rumors involving Nerlens and Okafor are kind of still ongoing. You know, the front court log jam still exists. Uh, but Brett Brown said today that Joel Embiid has had zero setbacks and, you know, is fully ready to play, that, you know, no nobody should be worried about him at this point. Um, so do you think at this point in the off season that Noel and Okafor are kind of safe um, and that there's no rush to get a deal done? Uh, do you think that, you know, they're kind of going to keep them and do a, a wait-and-see approach at this point? You know, it's such an interesting question, and obviously it's it's one that's been debated, and I think, it, you know, it's one that no one knows for sure. I mean, instinctually, I feel like at this point they're going to start the season with both on the roster. Uh, you know, there's obviously a major move could be made at this point, but we're getting down to the start of, you know, training camp is coming up now in about a month. Um, you know, and I, I just – I don't know if the market, what what it's looking like right now, you know, August is you know, usually the down month in the NBA where front offices are – you know, away and not 
doing too much talking. So this, you know, other than a couple of reports, there was obviously the one, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago that actually, while you were away, I'm sure you probably caught wind of it when you got back about, uh, you know, the Celtics having a renewed interest in Nerland specifically. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Nerland's coming out on Twitter and tweeting about how much he loves being from Boston <laughs> and removing his Sixers picture and stuff, which obviously, yeah. uh, you know, sparked a, a mini, uh, you know, uh, crazy session here in, on Sixers Twitter. But, uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't know what, it, I don't know what would really take shape as far as the deal happens between now and training camp. I, I think that they'll start with them, especially, you know, this has been said by, you know, both you and I and, you know, other Sixers supporters, but Embiid's health, you know, it remains such a question that, you know, you'd probably want to see, you know, a little bit from him going forward that he can, you know, at least be out there and be productive and consistent. Uh, not that you wouldn't make a move that if it was there with that in mind, but since, you know, a move didn't happen and they're, they're not looking to force something, it, you know, it wouldn't be bad in that case to have, you know, a couple options in Maryland and Ja just in case, um, you know, knock on wood, like there's a, you know, any sort of issue with Joel. So, you know, it, it'll be, it's obviously been like the most, uh, you know, polarizing storyline with the team over the past, you know, several months now, at least since like the trade deadline. And I think it'll continue to be one going forward. Cause I think it's, uh, you know, Brian Colangelo has said as much himself that basically a move needs to be made at some point. Uh, and, you know, it's all kind of, it's just been a matter of when, and I think we're all, we've all just been waiting, but, uh, you know, I don't have, you know, at this point, any, any extra insight into that, but it just instinctually, I feel that they'll enter, you know, on opening night against the Thunder. I think that both Ja and Netherlands will be on the roster. Well, it's interesting. You're, you're going to be down at uh Jack's place for the Sixers beach bash and 97.3 ESPN. Uh, I guess you've done this uh, a couple of summers now. Um, and it is interesting that, you know, they don't have Nerlens or Okafor going down when they've they've been down there in the past, and instead they have uh, Embiid and Simmons this year. Um, what are you uh, really going to look for when you're down there, and are you going to try to ask some, some pressing questions uh, to the two? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm expecting it to be – way more crowded than it's been in past years. I mean, not, that's not saying that it wasn't, you know, the, the turnout I've been down there for the past two, um, you know, I was there a few years before, but for the past two specifically, I've been down there to cover it. And I was impressed both times by the turnout last year. They had, uh, Jalil was down there with Robert Covington. Uh, the year before that was, uh, Nerlens and I think Mike, Michael Carter Williams was down there, but, uh, you know, this year just with the, the added interest, I think, in the team, uh, both nationally and locally, the fact that, you know, the, obviously the top pick in Simmons, Sarich, Embiid hitting the court, the new – just think there's so much buzz around the team. And the, to throw two of probably – like, you know, the two probably most popular Sixers now, obviously Simmons by default. And then, you know, Embiid is – despite not playing in two years, he's got himself – you know, he's ingratiated himself to Philly fans with obviously his – Twitter antics and his personality and, and all that. So I think those two just being down there alone will be a huge draw, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be, we'll be doing a live uh, radio broadcast for 97.3 ESPN from down there. And as of right now, we're supposed to be getting both Simmons and MB live on the air. So it'll be a, it'll be a cool opportunity to get to, you know, actually meet and talk to both of those guys, uh, 
you know, it's it's a fun day as far as, you know, being down at the beach and hanging out. So I don't think we'll we probably won't dive into, you know, too many specifics as far as timetables and expectations and injuries, but mm-hmm. it'll, it'll certainly be, be uh you know nice to just get get to get a basic uh you know idea from Joel and Ben they you know what they're how they're feeling with you know training camp approaching and what they're doing to you know basically get prepared for the season and stuff like that so uh definitely looking forward to just being with you know that many Sixers fans that's always a a good time you know you were down at the uh, the draft party in Center City so, you know those outside uh you know experiences with a lot of Sixers fans are always a you know it's a cool opportunity to kind of uh you know mingle and, and meet some others in the fan base so that's always a good time I'm uh you know definitely looking forward to it and hopefully we get a uh, you know at least a little bit of cool some cool nuggets of information from uh Joel and Ben well I hope at least you guys can uh dive into their ongoing uh lighthearted Twitter beefs that, that they have going on uh, pretty much every other day. Um, so, uh, Definitely. yeah, but, uh, you know, have a great time down there. Uh, Mike, it's been fun. It's been great to be back. Uh, that's all we have for, you know, this edition of the 76ers report. But, um, you know, thanks so much for tuning in. We're halfway there. Training camp starts very soon here down at Stockton College. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back with uh, – some more Sixers talk in the upcoming weeks here. Jeff, it was good to have you back, man. We'll, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking to each other pretty frequently now with uh, training camp and the season approaching. Of course. Have fun. Yeah, man. Back in 676 the most expensive expense. Pizza Venice, they be ever made a fellas ain't paid, but they got your game.